Chapter 2 of Jonah ends with God speaking to the big fish, and the big fish vomits him to land. That's where we start our study today. And so let's read Jonah chapter 3, verses 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the, to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, in chapter 1, we read the same thing. God spoke to Jonah, told Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah, for his good reasons or his bad reasons, decides to go to Tarshish instead of uh, Nineveh. And we, we, we remember the story as he was fleeing away, uh, there were turbulence in the sea, and, and these sailors cast lots to, to determine who, uh, and they found out that it's Jonah, and they asked Jonah, what do we do? The, uh, Jonah said, throw me uh, into the sea. They throw him into the sea. God provides a big fish to swallow him. Chapter 2 talks about how in the stomach of the big fish, Jonah prays to God. And out of that, uh, and him saying that he's going to keep his vows, uh, God speaks to the fish, and the fish vomits him to land. Then now God speaks again and tells him to go to Nineveh a second time. This time round, Jonah says yes. Jonah accepts. Jonah obeys. Now, imagine the headache, imagine the heartache that Jonah would have saved himself if he just obeyed God the first time. Imagine the headache if he just obeyed the first time. Imagine he had to go through all that uh, into any, all that headache and all that heartache. Yes, God gives second chances and third chances, but you'll save yourself a lot of heartache and a lot of headache if you obey him the first time. Some of us have very good experiences, such that uh, some of us are not born when you are, uh, rather, we are not born again when you are young. Rather, we, are, we got born again after we had experienced life and got metaskil akitunatumeona. I'm sure some of these people would say, I wish I knew earlier. I would have given my life to the Lord earlier. Did you, anyone uh, who agrees with me, whoever gave their life to the Lord later on? I'm a sister to Liokoka to Kuadogo. When you are Liokoka afterwards, what was your experience? Do you wish you had given your life to the Lord earlier? And that is just but giving your life to the Lord. What about the simple day-to-day things that God asks us to do? You will save yourself a lot of heartache and headache if you only obey God the first time. Jonah had been severely scarred out of this journey, out of his disobedience. And the reason why I'm saying he was severely scarred, it's not even in Jonah, in the book of Jonah, but I know of another story of somebody who went through something similar as Jonah, and he, and he was severely scarred physically in his body. This is a gentleman called James Bartley, and he was swallowed by a sperm whale in 1891. And there's an, a newspaper article which is up there. Uh, I'm going to read it so that you hear what happened to this gentleman. In February 1891, the whale star of the East was in the vicinity of uh, Falkland Islands, and the lookout sighted a large sperm whale three miles away. Two boats were lowered, and in the short time, one of the harpooners was enabled to spear the fish. The second boat attacked the whale, but 
uh, was upset by a, a lash of its tail, and the men thrown into the sea. One being drowned and another, James Bartley, having disappeared, could not be found. The well was killed, and in a few hours, the great uh, body was lying by the ship's side. And the crew, busy uh, with the axes and spades, removing the blubber, they worked all day and part of the night. Next day, they attached uh, some tackle to the stomach, which was hoisted on deck. Uh, the sailors uh, missing. Okay, sorry. The sailors were startled by uh, sporadic signs of life, and inside was, uh, was found the missing sailor, doubled up and unconscious. He was laid on the deck and treated to a bath of sea water, which soon revived him. But his mind was not clear, and he was placed uh, in the captain's quarters, where um, he remained two weeks, a uh, raving lunatic. He was kindly and carefully treated by the captain and by the officers of the ship and gradually gained possession of his senses. At the end of the third week, he had entered, uh, he had entirely recovered from the shock and resumed his duties. During his sojourn in the well's stomach, Bartley's skin were exposed to the action of gastric juice and underwent a striking change. His face neck and hands were bleached to a deadly whiteness and took on the appearance of parchment. Bartley affirms uh, that he would probably have lived inside his house of flesh until he starved, for he lost his senses though uh, through fright and not from lack of air. From this story that actually happened in uh, 18... Uh, 1891, this guy survived. And Vlialitoka, this is after a few hours, he was severely bleached. And his skin looked like parchment. Scholars also say that because of the action of the gastric juice, that he would have lost all his hair. So imagine meeting this gentleman who is severely bleached and who has no hair. See, come on me, but Anna eyelashes, Anna eyebrows, Anna, no hair whatsoever. Imagine meeting such a guy. I've been scared, isn't you? I imagine Jonah went through all this. Why? He just simply didn't obey God the first time. Now, for Jonah, it's a bit kidogo, yeah? We may not go through this, all of us, but we will save ourselves a lot of heartache and a lot of headache to obey him the first time. Obedience to God is for our own good, and disobedience has, in, has its own consequences. It could be big, it could be small, but every disobedience has a consequence, and every obedience has a blessing attached to it. Let's continue reading verse 3. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began uh, by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sack clothes. Now imagine this gentleman comes and the only thing he says is, forty days until this city is overthrown. There is nothing more, nothing less. 
Now, have you ever received such kind of a message? Somebody tells you, or it's actually in your own thoughts, I think this situation is the end of me. Or somebody spoke over you and say that you will not or you will never amount to anything. Or somebody speaks over you and says, this marriage of yours, it, will, it won't work. It will not work. Or that... Some situation, some sad news that, that has finality. Just like Jonah spoke with finality and said, 40 more days. He was so certain. 40 more days and this city will be overthrown. It is easy to take these words that people speak over us and that we think over ourselves and take them to be our reality. And eventually, it does become our reality. But this morning, I'd like to let us know that it doesn't have to be our reality. Whatever anyone says over your life, it doesn't have to be your reality. Let God be the one that defines your reality. It could be that a doctor said something about you and said, ah, this situation, should I manage to? You don't, any, there's nothing we can do about it. We can only manage it. And that could be a word that was spoken over you. Or somebody uh, said something over your life and it, it sounded with such finality and this person has the authority to actually say that. I'd like to invite us instead to take these things to the Lord in prayer. No matter the situation, you can always turn to God and plead for help and ask for his intervention. Yes, this city would have been destroyed, but because they turned to God, because they repented before God, God changed their situation and gave them a way out. What has been spoken over your life that is negative can be changed if you go to God in prayer and ask of him to intervene in that situation. Don't settle what is spoken over your life unless it is God who has said it. Amen? Amen. In the Bible, we see different people who ideally were written off or their situation was too hard or, or rather it was impossible. We see a gentleman called David. And David, when they were selecting a king, was actually ignored by his own family. As in Walita Watuamana into the family meeting. And yet, that is not what God had in store for David. It could be that you have been written off by everyone else, including your family. That does not mean God has written you off. We see a lady by the name Mary. She was a virgin. And it is impossible for a virgin to give birth. But Mungu ni nani? It could be an impossible situation in our eyes. It could be somebody in the Bible, or actually there are several who had different needs. There's a lady who owed a lot of money and all she had was a jar of oil and her sons were to be sold to pay off that debt. And he went, she went rather to the servant of God who told her, borrow jars and fill those jars with oil. And God did a miracle then, did the impossible. Serve a God of the impossibilities. Do not let your circumstances, your situations, and what people say about you define your future or your life. Any label can be changed if we involve God in it. Instead of allowing that situation to define your future, Invite God into that situation and allow him to define your future. The second thing I see in those few verses is Jonah speaks with a sort of finality. And 
imagine if I came to you today and told you, 40 days until your life ends. Imagine that for a minute. I don't tell you what you can do to save your life. I don't tell you what you did to deserve uh, your, your, your life to end in 40 days. I, I tell you nothing whatsoever. I just tell you 40 days until your life ends. And that's what Jonah did. 40 days until your city is overthrown. No more information. So either, number one, he had decided that these people were beyond redemption such that I don't even need to tell them how they need to be redeemed. He didn't bother. Or number two, it could be that he would have written them off and decided that these guys deserve to perish. So I'm not going to tell them how they can be saved. I'm just going to tell them they're going to perish. That's what God said. He didn't tell me to tell them how to be saved. Imagine a preacher going to Kijiji and they will a someone. Then all he says that all you are sinners and you're going to hell. That is the end of the sermon. That is the sermon that Jonah made. All you are sinners are going to hell. No way out. No, any, no more information. I'd like to present to us or rather to ask us, please do not write people off if God has not written them off. It is so easy to write people off. It could be that they're struggling to put words together and they're fumbling in their speaking. It could be they don't, they, they, they're not in a social class like, uh, like yours. It could be that they have made the worst mistake that could ever be made by any human being. But do not write anyone off that God has not written that person off. How do you know that God uh, has not written somebody off, that God has still allowed that person to still live? So long as anyone is still living, God has given that person yet another opportunity to be transformed, to be changed. So don't write any, anyone off that God has not written off. Verse 6. When Jonah, uh, Jonah's warning reached the king in Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloths, and sat down um, in dust. This is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh. By the decrees of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, test anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently to God. Let them uh, give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with passion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Now, a great miracle we see in the book of Jonah is Jonah being swallowed by a, a sperm whale or a big fish and later on uh, uh, that's a big miracle. But allow me to present to you that an even big, big hey, 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 story. <laughs> Allow me to present to us that an even bigger miracle in the book of Jonah is a whole city turning back to God. Imagine me going to Nairobi CBD and I could shout, 40 more days until God overthrows this city. With the whole city, including the newly appointed uh, governor, Put on sackcloth and say, oh, the Lord has spoken that God will destroy this city. Let us, let us 
turn back to the Lord. Let us repent. Let us turn away from our wicked ways. Do you think that will happen? After I preach a five-word sermon. Actually, in Hebrew, it's five words. In English, it's eight words. So Jonah preached a five-word sermon, and the whole city repented. That is such a miracle. Scholars have uh, argued that this city was as big as, or rather the population was two million people in this city. Uh, other scholars may agree or disagree, but those are details. The fact that this a whole city turned back to God. This was such a big miracle, even bigger than Jonah being swallowed by a well. The Bible tells us that if one person receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, all business in heaven stops and there is celebration in heaven because one person has given their lives to the Lord. What about a whole city? That was a great miracle. God can use the little have and do great and mighty things. Jonah did a five-word sermon. God used that five-word sermon such a great miracle that I think has not been seen in, ever since. A whole city turning back to God. You may say, I have my broken English and that's all I have. Or rather, I have my... Whatever, <laughs> whatever it is that you have. This is all I have. God, this is the knowledge of you that I have. This is the only knowledge. I, I, I only know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the only verse you know. God is able to use that little thing that you know to do great and mighty things. Because it's not about you. It's not about what you know. It's not about what you can do. It's about what God can do in you and through you. Praise the Lord. Kama Jonah, as rather, kama mungu alitumia five, any sermon ya five words, wewe unasema, I can't do a sermon of 40 minutes or one hour like Pastor Kibet uh, or other pastors. I can't, I can't stand uko kwa pulpit and do all that. All I can do is, is, is talk to my colleague at work. God can use that to, to create a transformation in a whole generation. The question is, are you willing to use that? Are you willing to use it? So let me say that once again. God can use the little you have to do great things. God can use the little you have to do great things. Let's move on to the second one. One of the reasons that I believe this city obeyed God, or rather turned back to God, is because of the scars that Jonah had. Imagine with me. Sorry, I can imagine eh? but that's just who I am. So <laughs> I, I think I'm a teacher. Teachers like explaining it too much. Um, imagine with me, we're in Nineveh at this point, yeah? Then news gets to you. You know, you know the way preachers, visiting preachers, when, when arriving in pomp? Cindy, okay, there are those of us who walk. Uh, there, there are those who come with entourages, or a whole convoy, visiting preacher, Mefika. There are those who come in choppers. Uh, I've seen it on social media. Uh, choppers. preach Imagine this guy. He arrives in a well. Not any. He doesn't walk on foot. He doesn't. Uh, he arrives in a well, 
and this is big news, man. So, as in in the, the whole city knows, hey, this guy arrived in a well. Not only has this guy arrived in a well, he is seriously bleached. He any hakai kawaida. He is seriously bleached, and he has no hair whatsoever. I think if this guy spoke and said, my city is going to be destroyed in 40 days, I think I would have repented because of the scars that he had, because of how he arrived. What am I trying to say? God can use your scars to minister to other people. I believe strongly part of the reason the city repented is because of the scars that Jonah had. What scars do you have? Allow God to use those scars to minister to somebody else. It could be that you once lived in sin and you know what it means to live in sin. You know what it means to lack God's peace. You know what it means not to have God's protection over your life. Could you kindly tell another believer who is trying to live in sin your experience? Umsoba eh? apkidogo. Arudi. God can use that scar that you have to build somebody else. It could be that you once cheated in your marriage and you are still healing in it. It's, still, it's so hard to heal. Possible, but it's really hard. Would you speak to other younger couples and tell them, don't dare do it. It may look harmless right now, but the healing process isn't easy. Use your scars to heal somebody else. What scar do you have in your life? Don't hide it. Don't hide it. Sawa, sawa. And if you want a platform to share your scars so that somebody else healed, or God minister to somebody else through your scar, would you just come and speak to me as well? It doesn't have to be here on the pulpit. You can find other avenues. Come speak to me. Share your scars. God can use it mightily. Like he used Jonah's scars. Verse 10. When God saw that uh, when God saw that they did, uh, sorry, what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. God is not looking to punish or destroy people. He is looking to redeem them to himself. And so when these people repented, God forgave them and God relented from punishing them. Ezekiel 18.23 tells us, and this is God speaking, he says, Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord? Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their wicked ways and live? God takes no pleasure whatsoever when a wicked person perishes, when a wicked person dies. It breaks his heart because he knows that person's fate is sealed and he's going or she is going to spend eternity in hell. It breaks God's heart. Ezekiel 33:11 says, Say to them, As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their, uh, their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? God is not looking for the one reason that he can dishonor us. But rather, he's looking for that one reason that he can redeem us back to himself. He doesn't take pleasure in anyone perishing. Despite that, 
he will send he will still send people to hell why because it is our choice where we spend eternity it will break his heart but he will still do it why because he's a just god if we have not received jesus christ to be our lord and savior god will send us to hell and though it will break his heart so before we move on to chapter 4 I'd like to give somebody here an opportunity. So here, you have never received Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. It breaks God's heart. And it will break his heart even more when he has to send you to hell. Because he is just. He has already made a way for you to avoid that and to spend eternity with him in heaven. All you need to do is believe in Jesus Christ, that he came, died on the cross for your sins. He was buried, and on the third day he rose again. And you confess with your mouth that he is Lord. So if you are here, let's put up your hand wherever you say, I would like to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Enter online. Come on, online. Just inbox us or say chat us or whichever way you can contact us. Or you can use the church number, which is Hapachini, I think. And, 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 just reach out to us and tell us, I'd like to receive Jesus as, as my Lord. And people ask, how can a loving God send people to heaven? A just God loving will do that. Break his heart. Chapter 4. I'm going to invite somebody to help me read chapter 4. Any the... Thank you, thank you. Thank you, please pass the microphone. Help me read verse 1 to verse 11, and then we'll conclude. Jonah chapter 4, 1 to 11. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said? Lord, when I was still at home, that that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tashish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Verse 5, Jonah had gone out, and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it will be better for me to die than to live. Verse 9, but God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, through you did Though you did not tend it or make it grow, 
It sprang up overnight and died overnight. 11, and should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? So much. Thank you so much. Wonderful. So, God forgives these people after they repent. And Jonah sees this as a wrong thing. There are so many, there, there are about five different reasons that scholars give why he may have been angry. He may have been angry. I'm not going to go through them because I don't think they'll help us, but you can go research if you want. Jonah is angry that God has forgiven these people. For whatever reason that Jonah had, God tried to speak to him in a language that he would understand. And he brought this plant, and then and, and through that, he spoke to him. And like God, who, wanted every, who wants everyone saved, we sometimes, like Jonah, have people in our lives who we feel do not deserve God's mercy because of the pain that they have caused us. Na mtu wa kukosea vizuri, ukahizi huyu mungu wa faya samehe, huyu Kenya menifanyia, and I deserve aende to the hottest part in hell, a risaviwe kiti yake uko. Have you ever felt that way about somebody? Rhetorical question, usijibu, dania sisikie. It could be that your spouse hurt you so bad. And, and, and guys, we could, we could, we could, break these verses down verse by verse. But as I was preparing, this is what God laid in my heart. That it could be your spouse hurt you so bad. It could be your parent that hurt you so bad. It could be someone who raped you. It could be somebody who murdered a loved one. Feel so heavily about this person, about these people. Such that if God would forgive them, like God forgave the Ninevites, it would break your heart. How, how, God, how can you love on this person? How can you forgive this person who did such an atrocity to me? As we close, God is calling us to a place of forgiveness. As Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he told them, You forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. Think of how God has been so gracious to you that you have sinned over and over and over again and he has still forgiven you. But they, do you know that the reason why Christ was crucified was because of you? Do you know you are the one who put Jesus on the cross for sins? But do you know it is us who put Jesus on the cross? But yet he still loves us so much. Extend the same grace that you have received from God to those who have sinned against you and forgive them. We could discuss the issue of forgiveness in such a lengthy, uh, lengthy manner, but let me just mention two things, three things a few things about forgiveness and we will pray together that will be our time forgiveness is not forgetting what happened 
When I say I have forgiven you, it doesn't mean I forgot it. It's only God who has the ability to completely erase what happened. When we repent before God, he undoes everything. It's as though it never happened. He is the only one who can forget in that manner. But forgiveness that does not mean forgetting what happened. Forgiveness does not mean you will be friends with that person or that there will be reconciliation in that situation. But yet, forgiveness has happened. Forgiveness does not mean you remain at the same place where you will continually be hurt or abused. It means that you may walk out of that space, but still you have forgiven. Forgiveness is not feeling nice about the offender or liking them. You don't have to like them, but you can forgive them. Forgiveness is not just a mouth confession. I forgive you, but it's a heart confession that you have truly forgiven. It's a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of the words. Forgiveness is not hiding the matter under the carpet. It's completely letting go of the offense and not letting it disturb you. Forgiveness is not keeping quiet about it, but praying and asking the Lord to help you forgive. And if possible, approach the offender and tell them that you are forgiven where possible. But it's not a must. Where you're not able to, forgiveness can still happen even if you don't tell that person. Forgiveness is choosing, making a decision not to count it against the offender, letting them go. And after you make the decision and actually forgive, it may take a long time before your emotions catch up. So you will need to continually remind yourselves that you have forgiven them when you think or even meet them. It's almost like a daily decision. When you meet them, you remind yourself, I have, I have let this person go, I have forgiven them. Because it is hard, because it is painful, but God can help us actually heal from whatever hurt that was caused on us. And forgiveness gives the devil an opportunity to work in us and through us. And when we hold on to the bitterness and to the pain and to the hurt that people have caused on us, that makes good ground for the devil to sow his seed and for evil to grow and bear fruit. And forgiveness is very good ground for evil to thrive. For the fruits, for the seeds of the enemy to grow and to bear fruit. And the same heart of unforgiveness is very bad ground for what is godly. It is bad ground for mercy, for kindness, for love, and what is of God. No wonder Paul tells us, in anger we should not sin and we should not let the sun go down while we are angry. Because that is not good ground for godly things. In Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, he says, in your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. When we remain in unforgiveness, we are giving that enemy a foothold to come build a fortress in our, in our, in our hearts and, and have his way in our hearts and in our lives. Second Corinthians 2, 10 and 11 says, the second bit of verse 10 says, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake in order that Satan may not outwit us for we are not unaware of his schemes. It is very easy 
for the devil to have his way when we are holding on to unforgiveness. God has commanded us to love our enemies. Treat them right. Pray for them. Judgment will still come. God is a God of justice. God will repay everyone for everything they have done. To your neighbor, to your loved one. God will repay them. Justice is not for us to pass. It is for God to pass. And so as we, as we end our service, I'd like to invite us to bow down our heads. And if there is anyone in your life that you haven't forgiven, God is calling us to release such people. And maybe the only thing you could pray for right now is pray and ask God, God, would you help me to forgive so-and-so? Help me to release them. It is hard. It is painful. I feel like they don't deserve your mercy. I feel like if I get into heaven and I find them, I'd rather go to hell. As in, I don't want to be in the same space with them whatsoever. God, help me to forgive them. Whoever it is, just talk to God right now. Talk to him. He's here. This is what God says to us. That you have been concerned with so many things in your life. When your income reduces, you are concerned. When you lose your job, you are concerned. When you meet that good show, you are really concerned. Just like Jonah was concerned when this leafy plant came up and went down. God says, and should I not be concerned for this person that you're not letting go of? Should I not love and, and forgive the person who hurt you so bad? So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come before you this morning and we ask, Father, however much it is hard, let go of this person. We ask today, would you give us and the strength to give them. They hurt us so bad. Our hearts are still bleeding. Lord, you ask us to leave vengeance to you. Instead, you ask us to love them, pray for them. You give us the strength to see you in this manner to forgive them, love them. Help us each day when we meet them. It could be our boss or our colleague at work, our spouse. Help us when we meet them each day, when we think about them. Remember that we have released them today. We have forgiven them today. This we pray in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
before you clap tumesema nini kwa isamoni yote tumeongea vitu mingi au rather nimeongea vitu mingi mmesikiza mnakumbuka nini ulikuwa mnasikiza ehe mnakumbuka nini it is it is it is it's better to obey thank you so much ehe ehe Orinona kazi yako. Let me take us. Thank you so much, Rosemary. Uh, you will save yourself a lot of heartache and headache by God the first time. Maybe you can put it up so that we can see it together. Obedience to God is for our own good. No matter the situation you can always turn to god and plead for help and ask for his intervention any level can be changed if we invite god in it don't write people off if god has not written them off god can use that little have do great and my god can use your scars to minister to other people allow him to god is not looking to punish or destroy people instead he is looking to redeem them himself and forgiveness prepares our hearts and makes it good ground for the devil to sow seed and for evil to grow and bear fruit at this point i'd like to invite us to our feet that we share the words of the dress and we call it a service as we go our separate ways into our weeks may the lord bless you and may he keep you may he shine his face upon you may he be gracious to you may he fill you afresh with his spirit each day may he give you the courage and the strength to obey and to do that which he has called you to May he help you to see yourself as he sees yourself for indeed he sees in you a great child of his, of of his. When God looks at you he sees this child that he loves so much. May God open your eyes that you may see yourself as he sees you. May God empower you to do great and mighty things. It's earth. May God use you mightily for his purposes and for his will. May God bless your family. May God protect your family, keep you safe, give you good health. May God bless the work of your hands as you go into your workspaces. May God multiply your resources. May God go above and beyond your expectations. May God answer the deep cries you have in your hearts. Those deep things that nobody else knows. May God answer those prayers, the prayers that you make in secret. May God answer them. May God give you those breakthroughs. And as God has commanded us as his servants, the priests to bless his people, now I bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's share in the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Have a wonderful week ahead. Mbarikiwe sana.